Hey guys, and welcome to the sixth episode of Imagine This. I'm Jay, one of the co-founders and the CEO at Imagine Insights, and I'm here with our marketing executive, Jazz. Welcome to our podcast, Imagine This, the podcast for all things Gen Z. Want to know more about Gen Z? Then join us for our under 20-minute monthly podcast where we'll discuss what matters to Gen Z, how they think, and the incredible impact they're having on society. But just before we get started, I want to let you know that we pay all of our Gen Z community for every single insight they provide to a brand. To pay more Gen Z and to do what they do best, we really need to grow this podcast. And it's very, very easy for you to help. If you're listening on Apple, and you can simply press the subscribe button. If you're listening on Spotify, then press the follow button. So it's subscribe on Apple or on Spotify, it's follow. And if you do that, that's it. You've helped us massively by that one simple action. Because of what you've done, we can now pay more Gen Z and we can now add more value to brands. So thank you so much for that. That means so much. Now on to the episode. In this, our sixth episode, we will be talking with one of our Gen Z community members, Mathan Mohammed, on his brutally honest views about a digital Gucci bag reselling for more than the real life bag itself and the type of language and terminology that Gen Z are using right now. But before we get started, Mathan, tell a little bit, tell us a little bit about yourself. How old are you and where are you from? Yeah, hi there. Um, yeah, so I'm 19, I live in London. Um, I was actually born in Kenya, um, but I've been here, I've been living here for the past kind of 10 years. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm studying at SOAS University of London, studying economics, um, also working at a kind of uh, a company where we basically advise and raise capital for startups and, you know, working on our own startups as well. Um, but yeah. Amazing. And how long have you been part of the um, Imagine Insights community? Um, quite some time, actually. Um, I think more than a year. Yeah. Amazing. So you're basically an OG in the game. Which is great. <laughs> yeah, and, that's great. Yeah, we're, we're glad to have you here, Matham. And obviously, Jazz is here in the background as well. But I'm going to kick off with our first topic. Gucci recently launched Gucci Garden. It was their first experiential experience on Roblox, a virtual installation inspired by the fashion powerhouse's archetype event in Florence, Italy. On May the 17th, the event featured a limited digital version of a Gucci bag with a B. And they put this bag up for one hour with 400 users snapping up the bag and paying for it. They paid 475 Robux, which is about $6, and for the actual digital bag itself. On cue, they actually then took that bag and sold the limited edition bag online, and it was actually selling for 350,000 Robux, which is actually $4,115. It's absolutely insane, because the real-life bag itself only costs $3,400. So Gucci managed to sell a... $6 digital bag to consumers who then went on to sell it for over $4,000. Like, it's, it's an unbelievable actual story. I, I, I sometimes struggle to believe it's actually true. It's crazy. But coming to you first, Nathan, what do you think of this whole situation with what's happening with, with Gucci and the reselling of these bags? Um, well, it's a bit of an interesting one, to be honest. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure you, you're aware, like, digital assets and stuff like that are kind of on the rise. You know, you have stuff like NFTs, you have crypto, cryptocurrencies, which is all essentially just digital assets, right? Um, money, digital money, um, and all that stuff. So, I mean, Roblox in itself, if you look at it, is another kind of digital uh, place where other people can connect and essentially go together. So, I mean, the fact that it sold more than, 
you know, how much an actual Gucci bag would, you know, cost. I think that's a little bit insane. I think, you know, I'm not too sure about <laughs> the thinking behind that. Um, but, you know, it, it's starting to make sense, particularly since, you know, there's the rise of new technologies that kind of essentially allow you to, you know, meet other people, not in real life, but in a whole 3D dimension. Um, and, you know, this is on the rise. So, I mean, it's not surprising. I think it's going to be a lot more kind of stuff like this happening. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I like what you said. It, it, it's starting to make sense. I think for sure a lot of the – I sent this out to some of our clients. I just sent out some information about it. A lot of our clients are like, I cannot believe they're paying that much for digital products. That, that makes no sense to me. But for you guys and even for me, I'm like, okay, actually, you know what? It does kind of make sense because it's it's a limited edition digital product. Like, you're not going to get it anywhere else. And as you alluded to a second ago, with NFTs are super interesting. Jazz, what about you? What are your thoughts on this? Honestly, I think it's a little bit wild. <laughs> like, I think – the fact that something that technically doesn't exist in the in a physical form has sold for more than something that is like exists in a physical form is 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 crazy to me. I think um, it's definitely correct that it's starting to make more sense because you know um, digital assets are becoming a lot more popular and a lot more people are investing in them. Um, I know a lot of people at the moment that are getting into cryptocurrency. Um, and you know, the whole thing with NFTs, I think is, is so interesting to me how you could pay so much for, for something that is digital. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's so, so interesting. And I think that in terms of the reselling part, resellers are to be expected because they seem to be like capitalizing in every market at the moment, anything that can be anything that is limited, that can be taken and resold. The resellers seem to be on it at the moment. Um, but Honestly, paying, uh, in my opinion, so, so much for something that is digital, that has no value outside of the game. Like, it, I think it, it's that bit specifically for me. Like, there's, it has no value outside of the game other than what it is, is, is so crazy, but so, so interesting. Yeah, I think that that's the thing that interests me the most. It has no value outside of that specific game. Um, and that, yeah, it, it kind of blows my mind. Jazz, just... I, did, I didn't put this in our notes, so it's kind of a curve. But um, why do you think people are flocking to buy this digital product, to actually buy it second, almost like um, on, on resale? Why do you think people are doing that? I think it comes with, I think one, it's got to do with the brand. So obviously it's Gucci. They're a very well-known brand. They're a luxury brand. So Owning something in, in person by Gucci, I think, is you know is is a is a desire for a lot of people. So to add it to combine that with Robux and to to have that kind of exclusivity around it, where there's such a limited amount, um, I, I think anything that has kind of it's supply and demand. So anything that has some kind of limited edition surrounding it that would be desirable for more than the amount that is made people I think want to get it and resellers recognize that so they think okay supply and demand lots of people are going to want it so they're going to go in try and get it and then they're going to hike up the price to try and capitalize off of that that demand themselves I think it's such an interesting thing in terms of like the reselling market at the moment because it, it it's rife you know people realize that people want goods and they realize that limited edition goods there's not that many of them. So they're going to go for it. And a lot of the time, especially collectors, if like someone is a Robux, like, you know, um, 
addict per se and they they love they love the game they're going to want to get what they can out of it i, th- I think yeah. that in my opinion is why yeah i think i think you hit the nail on the head when you said limited edition it's the idea that this is this is a limited edition product and i think when you said it's almost like a a, a great way for for gucci and other luxury and just normal brands to engage with Gen Z because it's a it's such a low cost way of Gen Z engaging with your brand because six dollars yeah. is such a cheap amount um for for Gen Z to engage with Gucci and obviously Gucci products are normally selling for three thousand dollars and upwards so the opportunity to just pay six dollars to to have this Gucci product um is really interesting. Nathan, actually moving on to you, what what do you think of the whole um the the resale market and uh, of uh, what do you think this could mean for the future of fashion? Yeah, I mean, kind of looking at, you know, kind of the, I mean, what, what, just jumping on what Jasmine essentially said, um, this is, you know, like a, another revenue stream, another way that, you know, brands can essentially engage with, you know, younger people, Gen Z uh, age group. Um, but kind of, if you think about it, you know, value comes from things that you, you give value. I know that sounds a little confusing, but what I mean by that is money doesn't actually have value. People give it value. So I think the more like these digital assets start to you know have use cases in our lives, so the more we kind of engage with them day in day out, the more value these kind of things have. So I think yeah, it might be a good idea for you know brands to kind of shift towards this you know digital age essentially, and you know try to engage because because you know this made the headlines right. This was amazing publicity for Gucci. Um, so you know slowly slowly I think we're gonna see a lot more brands creeping up and you know doing these kind of things, these kind of promos and whatnot. I think that's so interesting. I love what you just said people give money value so money itself doesn't have the value it's just paper but people give was not made out of paper but people give money value and i think that's really really interesting is the fact that these digital limited edition assets it's we're the ones that give it value if we say that's valuable it makes it valuable it's very similar to what when elon musk and and started promoting the dogecoin and it was like that coin had no value until he gave it value. And then suddenly it was now making people Dogecoin millionaires. And I think that's really interesting. I think that's such a great point to highlight and definitely something that anybody listening should think about is we as a brand can help our consumers to give this value. Whatever we're doing, they're the ones that give this value, which I think is really, really interesting. I definitely think the way you said um, you'll have more digital use cases. So the more use cases we have for these digital assets, the more we're going to want to create them and the more they're going to get bought, which is really, really cool. But that's the end of that topic. We're going to move on to our next topic. Um, so one of our clients is PepsiCo. They're an amazing client of ours. And a lot of time um, when we speak to brands, not just um, um, not just um, our current clients, but other, other potential clients, they ask a lot of questions around understanding how Gen Z speak because you want to, as a brand, speak authentically, um, to Gen Z, you want to be able to speak to them in, in their language and authentically. Um, and as I said, PepsiCo is one of our amazing clients, and they do this really, really well across their brands. And um, we were asked a question by one of their um, one of their team that they would love for us to ask on the podcast. So, Mate, I'm actually going to come to you first around Gen Z and, and the terminology and the languages they're using. What language and terminology are you using right now? Are there and are there any things or any language and terminology that you don't think brands should be saying at the moment? Sure. Um, you know what? I think that's a little bit of a tricky question. Um, you know, the reason why I say that is because, so if you look at, for example, different parts of London, just not even leaving London, right? So me as someone who lives in North London, is I'm, I'm going to speak a very different kind of dialect to someone, you know, from South London, right? 
So even in my age group, right? Um, so I think what brands need to kind of look into is uh, these kind of areas where there's mutual kind of connection with, you know, Gen Z people. So, you know, I'd, I'd say stuff like, for example, Twitter, Reddit, where, you know, there's loads of these, you know, young people that have access to each other and, and are kind of creating a centralized, I know, a centralized kind of language thing. So that's where you can pick up the most like general language thing. Um, because I, I, you know, I don't think all Gen Zs kind of speak the same language. You know, for example, at the moment, me myself, um, I haven't really, you know, been engaging with my friends, you know, because of the whole whole COVID nineteen nineteen lockdown, having been able to see them. So you know, I, I might be speaking the same kind of language that my parents speak, which you know, I don't think they want to include in their adverts. But I think another thing I'd probably say is that you know, a lot of kind of American terminology um, has been like slipping down into the kind of UK. Uh, gen z kind of age group so yeah essentially just looking at kind of what americans also say i think that's uh, kind of seeping down into what we're kind of saying at the moment as well yeah, yeah. i think one key thing you said a second ago was all gen z don't speak the same and mm. i think that's one of the key things brands always need to think about is hey um we're going to use slang or we're going to use something in in a campaign we always need to realize that that may be how a subset of the Gen Z community speak, but it may not be how the, the entire wider community thinks. So just to pay attention to that, I think it's such a great um, point, Mason. Jazz, what about you? What are your thoughts on this? Um, I definitely agree that um, with the point about uh, not all Gen Z uh, speak the same and use the same terminology, because, you know, you have to remember that Gen Z isn't like a, a singular age group in terms of like, I don't know, for example, 18 to 19, because I think... If you look at um, language from like that's spoken in uh, secondary schools, um, I think the language is different between the different years because it's 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 you know though they're part of the same generation in Gen Z, they're they're like almost secular in in how they are. Um, I feel like personally, I'm very out of the loop with like the hip terminology for Gen Z. Um, I, I I yeah I, I feel a bit out of the loop with I tend to find out the new kind of terminology through social media where I see people using it. And then like, uh, <laughs> as sad as it may sound, I have to go and Google the words. And like, oh, what, what, what does this mean? Um, and then I'm like, Oh, right. Okay. And it seems every day there's some kind of new terminology that I, I don't know what it means. And, you know, I, I'm only 20, but I feel like I'm getting left behind already in terms of the the terminology I think definitely for me brands need to uh work on the basis that not everyone is going to be so in love with the use of slang uh, or kind of like the the quote-unquote hip terminology um because I think sometimes for me if I if I don't know what it means then it might put me off yeah, for sure, 100%. And I love how you said, um, when you're speaking about brands, it's the idea that the way Gen Z might engage with that brand, the language they're using for that specific brand may differ from brand to brand. So it's very much, it's not only the, when you're saying Gen Z spans so many ages, so you have to be always think about, okay, how we're engaging across the age demographic of Gen Z, um, but also the way they want to engage with the brand will be different. And the best way of actually understanding that is then asking them as a brand, how should we be talking to you, which is great. And I love that you said the word hip. That makes me laugh so much. You're just like, <laughs> you're like yes, I'm not that hip. 
which is cool, um, which is great. But um, as always, we kept it under 20 minutes. Thank you so much for, to Jazz and to Matham for taking the time out to chat with me. Um, again, we kept under 20 minutes. We did our best. Um, thank you to listening to our sixth episode of Imagine This. Our mission at Imagine Insights is to help Gen Z to shape their future. I mean, the best way for them to do that is with brands because brands are shaping countries and culture like many people only wish they could. So we enable brands to crowdsource qualitative feedback ideas or insights from our community of Gen Z. So we built a beautiful piece of technology that means you can crowdsource insight from our community within 72 hours. As I said at the start, please like, subscribe if you're on Apple, um, follow if you're on Spotify, and please feel free to share this with anybody that might have um, might get value from it. Again, if you have any questions that you want to ask to our Gen Z community or to our team internally, please feel free to shoot them to me um, on email. Our website is imagineinsights.com, and I am jay at imagineinsights.com. Thank you again for tuning in, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Imagine This. <laughs>